Valentine's Day. It's just a few weeks away, and for many restaurants, this is the first big holiday of the new year. A great opportunity to boost first quarter numbers and to introduce yourself to a host of new diners. On this week's episode, it's a bit of a departure. We're going to talk sales. Stick around, because today I'm sharing eight different ideas to help you maximize revenue on Valentine's Day. And even if you do not run a quote-unquote romantic restaurant, I've got some ideas for how you can get in on all the Valentine's Day action. Plus, I've got a checklist you can download with three additional ideas. That's right, 11 ideas in all. I promise this is going to be a good one, so don't go anywhere. There's an old saying that goes something like this. You'll only find three kinds of people in the world. Those who see those who can see when shown, and those who will never see. This is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast for everyone in the middle. Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in. My name is Chip Close and this is Restaurant Strategy, a weekly marketing podcast dedicated entirely to the restaurant industry. Each week I choose a different topic, we explore that topic, we pick it apart. Hopefully by the end we've come across some useful insights so then we can finish up with an assignment. I leave you with a short actionable task, something you can do right away to start implementing some of the big ideas and concepts that we talk about here on the show because I believe information is only as valuable as the action it inspires. Now, this is a marketing podcast, right? So then why are we talking all about sales this week? Well, the whole reason we do marketing is to boost sales. And if there's any common thread from week to week on the show, I think it's this. The experience itself has everything to do with marketing your restaurant. Holidays like Valentine's Day offer a great opportunity to make an impression on your audience. It is one of the few nights of the year that people really think about going out to dine in a restaurant, and so we have a captive audience. I'm recording this on January 17th. It is freezing here in New York City. I'm glad to be inside my cozy little office. All of you will be hearing this on January 20th when the episode gets released. And for many of you, The reservation books have just opened up, but there's still time to ensure that Valentine's Day is a success. So as promised, this week, I'm going to share eight different ideas for how you can maximize revenue on Valentine's Day. And as I said at the very top, even if you don't run a romantic restaurant, I'm sharing ways for you to get in on all the action. So stay put. In addition to all of that, I've also got a freebie for you this week. I've put together a checklist that lays out each of these eight ideas that I'm going to share on the show, plus an additional three. That's right, 11 in all. And one of those three is my absolute favorite of the whole bunch. I've used it with four different restaurants over the past three years, and it's driven in thousands of additional dollars for the owners of those restaurants. Are you curious? Go get the download at chipclose.com slash vday. That's C-H-I-P-K-L-O-S-E dot com slash V-D-A-Y. Now, without any further ado, let's jump right in. Number one, offer a prefix. Now, what is a prefix? It's just a set menu. Guests get, let's say, three courses for $125 per person. They'll choose one appetizer, one entree, and one dessert. The limited menu is going to help the kitchen execute, and with a packed reservation book, this is a good thing. More than that, though, it's going to help with turn times. How? 
Well, your guests are going to spend less time pouring over the menu at the beginning of the meal because there are limited options. And then later, there's less hemming and hawing come dessert time. Do I want something? Do I not want something? It's included. Just get it. Pick one. In addition to all of that, a prefix menu is also a good way to boost check average because you're going to charge a higher price point than normal. And don't feel bad about doing that. It's a matter of supply and demand. It's one of those few nights where everyone wants to go out and there are only so many tables in town. So yes, people will pay a premium for those seats. In fact, they've come to expect it. Of course then, you have to make sure it's worth the additional cost, right? A higher price point also comes with higher expectations. So the service must be perfect. The food needs to be executed flawlessly and there needs to be value built into the experience. Now, there are a ton of little ways you can do that, so start brainstorming some of your own. Maybe you'll offer a, a small dish of canapes to start, or an amuse-bouche, uh, or petit fours when the check is dropped. Maybe you'll um, add some table-side flourishes, like saucing a dish or, or composing a salad. Whatever it is, just make sure it's there to remind the guest that this is something different, something special. Now, okay, a lot of you are probably saying, well, we already do offer a prefix. Well then, have you considered offering an elevated option as well? Let me tell you about one of the clients that I've been working with for the past few years. Two years ago, we did something called a caviar dinner series. It had nothing to do with Valentine's Day. We were just offering a caviar tasting menu on three consecutive nights. Uh, it was limited availability. We only served about 20 of them per night, but it was a huge success. It was a five-course menu, and each of the four savory courses uh, incorporated a different kind of caviar. So one course right after the other, um, guests got to taste different expressions of caviar, but plus it had a, a chef's touch uh, because the caviars were being incorporated in some way into the dish. There wasn't just a, a pile of caviar on the side of the plate. It was a very cool uh, thing to offer. It was, a, it was an elevated uh, luxury experience. It came at a, um, a premium price, uh, but guests seemed to love it. The guests that did it really did love it, and it drove revenue uh, during what's usually kind of a, a slower period for us. We ended up running it, it was sometime in February or March. I can't quite remember. But then last year, when we were looking at our marketing calendar, we said, should we do it again? And I said, absolutely, we should do that caviar dinner series again. It was such a success last year. But this time, let's offer it for the entire week. So we offered it seven days in a row, and we made it over Valentine's Day. And what happened is that Valentine's Day at this particular restaurant uh, was normally a four-course menu for $150. But then we also offered the caviar menu for $250. So we were going to do, let's say, 250 covers that night at $150 a head. But I said, let's just offer some people the option to do a more elevated experience at a higher price for $250. And what happened? We sold about 50 of them. So 50 of the 250 covers gave us an extra $100. It was bankable money and it offered an elevated experience. So it ticked both boxes. It was a better experience. People were looking for something elevated uh, and special. Plus, we made more revenue. So think about things in terms of that. Can you offer two different menus side by side and people can choose one or the other? That's my first idea. Maximize revenue by offering a prefix and figure out if you can offer an elevated version of a prefix to drive even more revenue. Now, number two, remember to rework the floor plan. Most restaurants out there have a variety of tables in their dining room, right? I'm sure yours does as well. You've got a handful of deuces, a bunch of four tops, and then maybe a few large party tables where you can accommodate sixes and eights and ten people at a time. Great. On a regular night, you'll usually get a, a good mix of reservations. But remember, not on Valentine's Day. 
So get rid of all the four tops and large party tables and rent a bunch of smaller deuces for the night. 95% of your reservations on Valentine's Day are going to be couples. In fact, it's probably going to be true all weekend long. So maximize those calls from people looking to book a two-top. Remember, if you've got 10 four-tops in your dining room, that's 40 covers. But most likely, you're going to be filling those tables with deuces. So that's 10 two-tops for a total of 20 covers. You're leaving money on the table. So instead, get rid of those 10 four-tops and replace them with 20 deuces. That's how you maximize your real estate, maximizing your revenue. The nominal cost of renting the tables for the night will be offset by that additional revenue, I promise. Also, make sure to utilize your private dining room on Valentine's Day. My bet is you don't have the room booked, so do everything you can to maximize the real estate you have. Set up the PDR so it's warm and inviting. Maybe get some flowers delivered, something to make it feel special. Now, here's a funny story. About 10 years ago, I was opening a restaurant for Richard Gere. Yes, Richard Gere, the movie star. Uh, it was this beautiful property up in Westchester, New York, and they had this killer private dining room just off the main dining room. And I did exactly what I'm telling you to do. I transformed the room into an additional dining room for Valentine's Day. And the challenge was this. The room had one long table that could seat about 20 guests. It was this antique farm table, and it could not be moved out of the room. So what did we do? Well, we hired a florist to put flower arrangements on the table that acted like little barriers, like little walls between the deuces. So it looked like one long communal table, but with the flowers, we were able to get eight deuces seated there. And then we also rented a handful of deuces and lined the walls of the room. So in the end, we ended up seating about 30 guests at a time in there. And bear in mind, the main dining room only sat about 70 covers. So it really helped us capture more revenue on such an important night. So remember, look at your floor plan, consider renting tables, and utilize every square inch that you have. Number three, sell add-ons during the booking process. Now, I'm always urging my clients to do this. Maybe it's a signed cookbook or a gift set or whatever. You have an opportunity during the booking process to both capture more revenue and elevate the guest's Valentine's Day experience. So do not miss out on this. So how do you do this? Well, let me walk you through it, but a little history first. Now, a few years back, I listened to an interview that Tim Ferriss did with Nick Kakonis. Now, I've talked about that interview in the past, actually, and if you haven't listened to it, please do yourself a favor and go download it. I'm sharing the link in the show notes, so it's going to be really easy to find. Um, but Nick Kakonis, for those of you who don't know, is one of the owners of Alinea out in Chicago. He's Grant Ackett's business partner and an absolutely brilliant mind. He's brilliant because he's not afraid to say he doesn't know the answer to something. In fact, that's kind of the theme of that entire interview that he gives with uh, Tim Ferriss. Over the course of two plus hours, he talks about everything from starting Alinea and then opening uh, their other restaurants next and the aviary. Uh, he then talks about self-publishing the cookbooks that they do. Uh, and then finally about launching Talk, which is a reservation system that he helped found. Talk is a unique system that treats dining like a ticketed event. So you don't book a table, instead you're buying tickets. Just like you'd buy a ticket to a basketball game, here you're buying tickets to a dining event. So it was largely built uh, to solve the no-show problem that Alinea was dealing with early on, uh, but the longer they were working with it, they found all sorts of residual benefits. Now, at a certain point in the, uh, the interview, um, he shares some startling number about how much revenue they actually make by selling cookbooks during the checkout process online. 
So basically, he realized that people were booking a table at Alinea for, let's say, $275 per person, and they already had their credit card in hand, and they were booking an extraordinary once-in-a-lifetime experience. They picked their date, their time, the number of people, then click Next, and at that point, the user would come to a screen that said something like, Would you like a signed copy of Grant Ackett's cookbook waiting for you at the restaurant when you arrive? And that simple soft sell was driving hundreds of thousands of dollars of revenue for Nick and Grant and the folks at Alinea, just simply by offering it, by asking. And I remember pausing the recording right then and there, and I called my boss at the time, and I explained all of this to him, and I said, we have to do this, we have to do this for Valentine's Day. Except for us, it wasn't cookbooks, it was chocolate. So that restaurant where I was working had developed their own line of handcrafted chocolate bonbons. And so we started using talk exclusively for our holiday bookings just so we could offer these bonbons during the checkout process. Would you like a box of our handcrafted Valentine's Day chocolates waiting for you at the table? Dinner was $150 per person, so that was $300 for the couple, and they were getting ready to pay. What difference did another $35 make? You got to know that 20% of the reservations ended up buying the chocolates that first year, which amounted to nearly $2,000 in additional revenue that night, just by asking, just by offering. Now, of course, the residual benefit then was that other guests saw the chocolate sitting on certain tables as they were walked into the dining room, and people then started asking the maitre d', what are those? To which he responded, oh, those are our Valentine's Day bonbons made right here in-house. Would you like a box? I can get one for you. Yep, we sold another 20 boxes that way. So think about what you can sell during the booking process. And maybe you don't want to use a service like Talk, but figure out if you can offer it just over the phone and, and then make a note in the reservation. So maybe this is something you sell when you call to confirm reservations a few days before. You know, we're calling to confirm your reservation for Valentine's Day, two people at 6.30. Great. And we wanted to know, would you like, uh, would you like a box of chocolates waiting for you at the table? The cost is $35. And they're either going to say yes or no. And I promise you, you are going to drive more revenue that way. Now, if you can't make something in-house, see if there's another company you can partner with. Maybe there's someone in town who can make up chocolate boxes for you. Or maybe there's a bakery that makes really great chocolate chip cookies or whatever. You get the point. There's an opportunity to elevate the dining experience and to make more money. It is literally a win-win. Do not miss this opportunity. So that's number three. Figure out if you can sell any add-ons during the reservation process. Number four. Don't forget to adjust your hours. This might seem obvious, but I'm always surprised when restaurants don't do this. It's simple. If you normally open at 5.30, consider opening a half hour earlier on that day just to accommodate more covers. Likewise, if the kitchen normally closes at 10 p.m., why not stay open later till like 11 p.m.? On a day like Valentine's Day, it's all about the numbers, right? It's a numbers game. You need to be able to turn your tables at least two times, probably two and a half if you want a really profitable night. Those extra hours are going to help you build the reservation book with more slots. And to that end, make sure you are adjusting the reservation book itself. If you use Open Table or Resi, you're going to want to go in there and manually adjust the tables so they're all like two-hour turn times. And if done right, you can do a seating at 5 and 5.30, then again at like 7.30, and then a third seating around 9.30 and 10 p.m. It's an ambitious book that still has a bit of cushion to it. It's going to make you money. Now, number five, why not celebrate Cupid all weekend long? 
as long as you're adjusting your hours for the night, why not do it for the whole weekend? And to that end, how about running your promotion all weekend long, right? This is especially true on a year like this one because Valentine's Day falls on a Friday. People will be celebrating romance all weekend long. So if you're offering a special menu on Friday, why not also offer it on Saturday as well? You're basically doubling your capacity for Valentine's Day that way and serving your audience by giving them more chances to join you. Or, like I pointed out earlier, right, we ran that caviar menu all week long last year. So it wasn't necessarily about celebrating Valentine's Day, but it was an elevated experience and it fit in perfectly with people looking for a special sort of experience on or around the big day. It's a way of leaning into the holiday without limiting people's dining options. Now, number six, packages. Like we just spoke about, since Valentine's Day falls on a Friday, there's a chance people will be celebrating all weekend long. And get this, if you look at the calendar, you'll notice that Monday, February 17th, is President's Day. So it's a long weekend. Why not partner with a nearby hotel or bed and breakfast and put together a getaway package? Go one further and think about offering activities for the whole weekend. Meaning, are there wineries in your area? craft breweries, uh, distillers? What about a museum or uh, another attraction? Make it easy for people to get away for the long weekend by pulling together an entire package. So maybe that's a two or three night stay plus dinner on Friday night at your restaurant and then breakfast at a nearby cafe each morning plus two tickets to some event or attraction in the area. One set price gets you all of that. Make it easy for them to say yes. Plus, and here's where the marketing benefits come back in. You can sell the packages at the restaurant and through your website, but so can your partners, right? So the hotel can sell them and the museum you're partnering with can sell them and the little cafe around the corner can sell them. You get my point, right? You'll all benefit from the coordinated marketing efforts. And as I pointed out in past episodes, you're also doing some cross-pollination. Fans of the museum in town will be introduced to your restaurant. The hotel will blast their email list and suddenly they've put you and your restaurant on their radar. If they didn't know about you before, they do now. Keep in mind that putting together a package like this will take some work. Uh, it takes clear communication and a coordinated effort from all parties. Uh, one side usually needs to take the lead and the other parties need to hang back and just support those efforts, but everyone needs to be on the same page regarding what's being offered, how it's being pitched, and the best way to accomplish the goals. Finally, with this, I want to say that you need to be clear about who you want to market this package to. In order to do that, you'll need to answer the same questions you do for your restaurant, the same questions you did way back in the early episode, right? What's the product and who's it for? So I'm here in New York City and a lot of our listeners are based here in the tri-state area. So I want to look at two different examples just here in this market. Now, a few months back, we sat down with Alexander LaPrat, who owns Atrium Dumbo in Dumbo, Brooklyn. Now, let's just say he puts together a package with one hotel, Brooklyn Bridge, just a few blocks away, and then offers breakfast at One Girl Cookies, right? It's the little shop just next door to the restaurant. Uh, he coordinates a tour at Widow Jane Distillery down in Red Hook. Uh, and then you get a free key lime pie from Steve's Authentic Key Lime Pies, which is right around the corner from the distillery. It's a cool little package full of unique Brooklyn offerings. This is not a touristy trip. So then who do you pitch this to? Maybe it's New Yorkers looking for a little staycation. That's a possibility. But really, you're probably looking at out-of-towners. And that might mean people in the surrounding suburbs. But you're going to reach um, out-of-towners differently than you reach the neighbors who live near your restaurant. 
The point is, once you figure out who might want this package, this product, then you can start coming up with ideas to reach those people. Specificity is always the key in marketing, and especially when you're putting together a product like this. On the other hand, let's think about a more rural destination, right? So something like Fish and Game. This is Zach Palaccio's place up in Hudson, New York. It's easily accessible via train from New York City, just a couple of hours north. It's a cute little town with some B&Bs all over and little shops. Uh, Beacon isn't very far away, and there's the art museum up there. It's called Dia Beacon. Uh, Putting together a package up there looks obviously different than a package in Brooklyn. And again, you have to think about who will be most apt to buy a package like this. Figure that out, and then you can determine ways to reach each of those groups. Again, a package takes some work, but the benefits compound and can often be worth the extra stress of organizing something with so many moving parts. Number seven, go against the grain. Like I promised at the very top, for all of you who run places that aren't necessarily romantic, I'll remind you that it doesn't all have to be about romance. So, you're on a pizza place, a sports bar, a a casual pizza spot, a, a festive Mexican restaurant. Great. This one, number seven, is for you. We all know places that do an anti-Valentine's Day dinner, right? You've seen places advertise a Galentine's Day, right? Urging single ladies to come out with a big group. This is a real thing, and it's a promotion that can work well. But like anything else, you have to get organized and be crystal clear about what you're offering and then be able to articulate who that product is for. There's nothing worse than organizing an anti-Valentine's Day meal only to have a lovely young couple show up for their romantic dinner and be surprised when they see rowdy tables all around them. So if your restaurant is celebrating romance, then make it known that that's what you're doing. But if you're not celebrating the holiday, then you also have to make that known. So if you have the kind of restaurant that doesn't normally do Valentine's Day, consider whether you can go against the grain and market a different kind of experience, right? Maybe it's a sports bar catering to single men. Maybe it's a fun Mexican restaurant offering margarita specials. Maybe it's a pizza place that's uh, offering Netflix and chill delivery special. There are just as many people out there not celebrating the day, and so it's not a bad idea to try to capture some of that energy, some of that business. And again, to loop this back into what we've talked about earlier in this episode, people will be celebrating or not celebrating Valentine's Day all weekend long. So figure out how you can get in on the action. If done right, it's something you're going to be able to replicate every single year. If people have a good time this year, they're going to think of you next year. Hell, even when all those single ladies get married, they may still look forward to their big annual Galentine's Day celebration that happens to be at your restaurant. Now, Finally, number eight, and I will remind you that there is a freebie that goes along with this week's episode, a checklist that outlines all eight of the promotion ideas we're talking about, plus three additional ideas. And those extras are good, I promise. In fact, I held back my favorite one. To get it, to get that checklist, go to chipclose.com slash vday to get a list of all 11 ideas for promoting Valentine's Day. Number eight then, right? We'll finish up. Remember to play the long game. There are a lot of people out there who only go out for nice meals when they're celebrating something, right? So they go out for a birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some holiday like Valentine's Day. So you're seeing people you may not have ever seen before. 
this is a chance to introduce yourself to them and turn them perhaps into a regular customer. And this is where we bring it all back to marketing, right? Number one, the best way to market yourself is to create a memorable experience. Valentine's Day can be the perfect opportunity to do just that. And then number two, you can use the holiday as a way to build repeat business. You're introducing yourself to hundreds of people, most of them first-time diners. So use it as an opportunity to convince people to return. With that in mind, there are a variety of things you can do. Maybe you work up a a simple check insert that advertises some dinner series you're doing in March uh, or an upcoming winemaker event. On the other end, maybe you create some sort of bounce back card that you give to each and every guest that night, right? $10 off your next visit and it expires at the end of 2020. This means that if they're celebrating anything else the rest of the year, they're going to think of you because they get $20 off that future meal. If the odds are 50-50 that they'll return to your restaurant one day, giving them an excuse to return, like a bounce back coupon, is a great way to tip the scales in your favor. Now, there are fun ways to do that and elegant ways to do that. I've given you just two ideas for bringing people back in, but there are other ideas to explore and that's your job to figure it out. You know your place better than I do, so do some brainstorming and figure out the best thing for your restaurant. And that's it. Again, this week's episode was all about maximizing revenue on Valentine's Day, and we discussed eight ideas, eight different areas to focus on. Again, they were, number one, offer a prefix or offer a second elevated prefix. Number two, adjust the floor plan to maximize seating. Number three, remember to offer add-ons during the booking process. So that's chocolates or cookies or signed cookbooks or whatever. Number four, adjust your hours. Maybe open a little bit earlier or stay open a little bit later to try to get extra covers in. Number five, consider extending your hours and your promotion all weekend long. Remember, this falls on a holiday weekend. Uh, Valentine's Day is on a Friday. People will be celebrating all weekend long. We took that one further with number six and we talked about putting together a package, right? Partnering with some B&B or some hotel in the area, maybe a museum or, um, or a distillery or a winery. Put together a package and give people something to do all weekend long. Number seven, we talked about going against the grain. Uh, if your place uh, isn't romantic, if it's not uh, supposed to cater towards Valentine's Day, go against the grain and do something totally different. Try and capture that, that opposite audience. And then number eight, we said play the long game. Remember that this is an opportunity to introduce yourself to new diners, figure out if there's a way to get some of those new diners back. There's a freebie that goes along with this week's episode. It outlines all eight of these plus three additional ideas. It's a great document to to Xerox and pass around to the other managers and chefs that you work with. Hopefully it opens their eyes to possibilities and maybe sparks some conversations between the departments. For your assignment this week, I want you to look at your Valentine's Day marketing plan and see where you need help. Then pick just two of these 11 ideas and see if you can put them into practice. Again, the goal is to maximize revenue on this very important holiday. Boost sales, make an impression, and build repeat business. These 11 ideas are ways to do all three things at once. Do not miss this opportunity to move the needle in your business. As always, I want to thank you for continuing to show up week after week. The restaurant strategy community is growing more and more each week. If you're out there listening and you're thinking that you're alone with your struggles, I'm here to tell you that you are not alone. 
all of us have different concepts in different markets catering to different audiences, but we have this in common, a passion for serving people, for taking care of people, and for using this business as a means for supporting our families. I'm grateful every day that I get to do that, and I'm glad to have all of you with me on this journey. We're all trying to get better. We're all trying to boost profits to be able to make a larger impact today than we did yesterday. If you got something out of this episode, do me a favor and share it with a friend or a colleague, someone who you think would get something out of this. I appreciate you being here, and I will see all of you next week.